John Moe Teeny Podcast, Episode H5, The Assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about Lincoln. We're going to talk about where the stories of his assassination uh, might have gotten a little twisted over the years. Uh, there's been a lot of a lot of talk about the assassination and a lot of misunderstanding about it and about the motives, about what happened, what led up to it, and we're going to get into that just a little bit here. Now, uh, the first thing you have to realize about the assassination of President Abraham Jefferson Lincoln is that it was conducted by an actor, John Wilkes Booth. Now, Booth came from a very famous acting family. It would be like uh, if one of the Baldwins, one of the uh, one of the lesser Baldwins assassinated Abraham Lincoln. John Wilkes Booth was overshadowed by his more famous and talented uh, family members. His father, the great actor Junius Brutus Booth, his brothers, the great actors Edwin Booth and Junius Brutus Booth Jr., also known as Mitzi, all known for their mastery of the classics all known for their large, boxy shape, the Booth shape, which would later inspire Alexander Graham Bell to build what he called a telephone booth, and then, years later, to invent a telephone to put inside it. So John Wilkes Booth uh, wasn't as talented as his brothers, wasn't getting the opportunities, wasn't getting the same roles, uh, was not offered the part of Hamlet, was offered actually the part of Yorick, where a theater company wanted to rip out his skull and then bleach it and then have him play Yorick. Uh, and, and even though he was indigent, even though he was, he was living in the, the rafters of theaters and frequently plummeting to the ground when he tossed and turned as he slept, beset as he was by nightmares, uh, he still had to turn that role down, uh, which left him angry and bitter that the only... Uh, roles that he was really being offered were ones where his skull would be ripped out. In fact, he was offered those roles in in several other plays, Shakespeare plays, as well as contemporary plays, Greek classics, even plays that didn't involve a a skull, a bleached skull. Those parts were all offered to John Wilkes Booth. The Actors Union at the time uh, sent him a letter saying, please, please, can we rip your skull out of your head and bleach it? And uh, he wanted to know if he would get a replacement skull in the process, but um, that was not covered under the health insurance plan that the Actors Union offered. So John Wilkes Booth wanted to prove himself by creating a spectacle. If he couldn't do it in a play, he wanted to at least do something. He wanted to be known. He wanted to be famous. It's that it's that age-old thing. The, you, you have three names. You're kind of a creepy loner. You're going you're gonna to want to kill somebody. And he wanted to prove himself to be more theatrical than any of the other men in his family. And I should note, too, that only the men in the Booth family were famous actors. And they all refused to tell the women how to do that, how to be a famous actor. So eventually, John Wilkes Booth uh, did find um, some work. It wasn't, it wasn't the grand stage work. It wasn't the memorable parts that his family members were known for. He was, he was uh, doing what they would call situationist comedies, uh, these little 
22 to 30 minute miniature plays kind of serialized uh, where there would be a, a play uh, and it would happen once a week, like Thursday nights at eight. Um, there would be a series of these of these uh, comedies, these situationist comedies, must see stage, they called it, um, in order to encourage people to to see it, I suppose. Um, and they weren't, you know, they were comedies such as uh, one was called I Have a Disease, um, Drat That Deadly Civil War, John Wilkes was in that one, I Have Another Disease Now, which was really very derivative. Um, it came along a few years after I Have a Disease, and it was it was meant to kind of catch this uh, this wave of nostalgia for the original I Have a Disease series, but it, you know, it didn't really catch on either. He did some longer form comedies where, you know, just really just dumb stuff where, you know, some buddies drink a lot of laudanum and then go out adventuring. But he was unfulfilled as an actor. He, you know, he wasn't getting the the parts that he wanted. And uh, it left him a lot of time to just sit and think and stew. And after a while, he really, he really grew to hate Abraham Lincoln. Now, why did Booth hate Lincoln? Um, you know, and scholars all have different opinions about this. Uh, there's, there's some speculation that uh, the, the recent, in, in our recent years, this rash of Abraham Lincoln vampire killer and zombie hunter and and all those things, that Booth saw those in a, a premonition dream and thought that they looked really stupid and that maybe he could do something to to stop that. Um, but that's, you know, that's, that's hearsay. We don't know that for sure. Uh, the ability to record dreams like that wouldn't come along for another 30 years. But we know that, uh, that Booth loved the South. He was not really a Southerner, and he didn't own a plantation or anything, and uh, he never did learn to say, now see here. He, he would practice, and you'd think as an actor he'd be good at it, but it just came out as, now see here, now see here. And uh, so the so the corpulent gentleman sitting on porches in the South never really accepted him, but still he loved the South. Um, he also was furious that uh, with the the Civil War coming to an end, the Civil War actually ended. Uh, the you know the peace was was signed five days before the Lincoln assassination. With that coming to an end, he had hoped that he could start his own country, just uh, kind of self-contained within himself, and and separate from America, and then engender a war where the Union soldiers would go to war against John Wilkes Booth uh, and presumably shoot him to death on a battlefield somewhere. But the Union soldiers by this point were pretty tired. And John Wilkes Booth, to be fair, was not a country. Uh, so he hated that uh, that he couldn't have that same experience that the Confederacy had. He thought that was really uh, kind of stuck up of Lincoln to not give him that also, he hated hats. Booth just hated hats. The taller hats were even worse. But I, th I think it became a little personal, personal too. Lincoln was uh, Lincoln and Booth would often square off in the what were called the mildly famous celebrity basketball games that were held in and around the D.C. area. 
Um, and Lincoln would always block his shot. Lincoln was, and a lot of it was goaltending. I mean, to be fair, but nobody really whistled the president of the United States for goaltending. Um, and he would just slap Booth's shot away. Now, basketball, I should clarify, this isn't basketball as we know it today, because Abner Doubleday had not yet invented basketball at the YWCA. Basketball, in this sense, um, was was called basketball, but all it was was just uh, taking a cannonball and throwing it at a lady's basket full of dry goods. So a bunch of men would get together, steal some cannonballs, and go running down the street, streets of Washington, trying to hurl them at ladies' baskets uh, fresh from the market. And the president would would join right in. Um, this was this was common for presidents of the day to try to to try to join in with a basketball game. And uh, you know you'd you'd go on offense and defense, so you'd have to be able to to throw the the cannonball as well as deflect it, which you know, a well-hurled cannonball uh, could be, it could really hurt your hand when you're trying to block it away. But regardless, Lincoln consistently blocked the shot of, of uh, John Wilkes Booth. So that's when Booth said, okay, all these things are adding up. The hats, the sovereignty of the South, my adoration of the South despite my inability to master the accent, the shot blocking. I am going to kill President Lincoln. Now, assassinations back then worked a little bit differently. They weren't as um, as covert. They weren't as clandestine as you would think. Uh, any citizen of the United States could challenge the president to an assassination. Uh, it was a lot like the duel. It was sort of a, a derivation of the duels uh, that have become so famous in musical theater. So anybody could challenge the the president to an assassination, but Often the assassination itself was averted. There would be um, seconds set in and, and negotiations and there would, be, there would be dialogue and then there would be some sort of settlement where everybody got to keep their dignity intact and, and nobody got hurt. And so there were, there were many seconds of Booth and seconds of Lincoln that uh, kind of went toe-to-toe on this and tried to tried to reach some amicable conclusion um, and were unable to. And then the, the ersatz booth, the fake booth, the, the booth the second, would then kill the, the, the second Lincoln, Lincoln's assistant. Generally, it was, a, it was an advisor of some sort, a political advisor or a you know, trade advisor, anybody who happened to be nearby. And sometimes the tables would reverse, and the the Lincoln second would kill the Booth second. And regardless, a lot of advisors died, and a lot of not very good, hot-headed actors died. So, you know, you can you can decide which is uh, which is worse. But you know, for a while, the assassination was put off uh, through these negotiations, um, and when that. When that failed to materialize, they needed to find a time when the assassination would take place. And the assassination is guaranteed uh, in the Constitution. You could look it up. It's been it's rarely followed now, but it's technically still in the books. Now, um, Lincoln would would evade Booth with uh, all sorts of scheduling tricks. He would say, well, I can't be assassinated this week because I have a hat heightening appointment 
Um, he would be breaking up the various wrestling and boxing matches between his cabinet of rivals. Um, he would sit around. I don't know if you've ever been in school heard like all these stories of all the times Lincoln failed um, through, you know, not being elected to office or whatever it was. Um, he would say, well, I can't be assassinated this week because I've got um, I, I've, I've got to recount my failures. I've got to write down more failures. I've got to think of more times that I failed. And uh, that's going to take all week. And then that plus meetings, you know, again, I've, I've they didn't heighten my hat enough. I've got to go get my hat reheightened. It, it's time consuming, and and um, it was it was really um, it was aggravating Booth. It did nothing to dissuade Booth from wanting to kill Lincoln, as was his right in the Constitution. Now it was finally arranged that the assassination would take place at a theater. But again, Lincoln refused to tell Booth where he would be seeing a play. He was, he was coy about it. He would say only that it was a theater named after a future president of the United States of America. And the, with the presidency, of course, comes clairvoyance. And so he knew that Gerald Ford would be president, but, uh, but Booth did not. And so, you know, he still got to go to the theater and... Uh, but he eluded assassination. And so Booth would show up, you know, and he'd, he'd get comped. Like he'd get a, he had a letter from the government saying he was there to kill the president and they would just wave him through because that's how it was, you know, um, especially if you were from a well-known acting family. So um, with that in mind, he was able to, to elude Booth. Now, here's what's interesting too, is that Booth during this time actually got a lot of acting work because Lincoln, not wanting to die just yet, arranged for many actors to call in sick. And so an actor at, at one of the you know dozens of, of live theaters around D.C. would be sick, couldn't go on, but there's this edict that the show must go on, also in the Constitution. The show must go on, plays must always take place because that's somehow important. And so Booth was on call, and so he would um, a messenger would arrive at his house, and he would have to go out and and perform in one of these plays. Lincoln arranged it so that it was often uh, the part of like the uh, doting uh, elderly matron in a play, like uh, the dowager of some sort. Uh, so it got really embarrassed. Several times, a horse, several like and and. Uh, and Booth got really aggravated because he would say, this is, this is Othello. There doesn't need to be a horse in Othello. Come on. Um, but, uh, but yet there would be a horse. And so on the night that Booth would be really keen on killing Lincoln, he would have to go be at least part of a horse because the show must go on. Um, but, you know... Through it doesn't work every time, and eventually it was arranged, and Lincoln admitted, "Okay, I will be at Ford's Theater. Gerald Ford's going to be president. Place your bets uh, during a production of Our American Cousin, and thank you. And you know, I I want you to know that I really fooled you here, but um, that's where it was arranged that Booth would would finally kill Lincoln, and so you know, with the 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 armistice being signed and the, the union being reunited, 
Uh, Lincoln said, well, okay, I think, you know, I, my hat is as high as it's going to be. Um, I've recounted all my failures. I've had my beard tightened. It's, it's time to die. And it's part of Lincoln's wisdom. So they go to the play, and uh, it's a production of Our American Cousin. And this is a play, and a lot of people don't know this, this is a play written by the cousin of John Wilkes Booth. Uh, a cousin from another country, written about John Wilkes Booth, his American cousin. And what part of John Wilkes Booth's life does this play cover? The assassination. So this is a play about the assassination of Abraham Lincoln by John Wilkes Booth, taking place at a theater where John Wilkes Booth is to assassinate Abraham Lincoln. So the play begins, everyone's Everyone's watching. Lincoln's just kind of waiting. Uh, Booth stops at, and gets uh, gets a drink first at the bar in in the lobby. Um, reads the program for a while, and then finally makes his way up to to uh, where Lincoln is sitting, and shoots Lincoln, and shouts "Sic temper tyrannis," which uh, means "Thus always to tyrants," and. Um, just at that moment, the actor playing Lincoln, and he shoots, he shoots, I should specify, yes, he fires the shot. The actor playing Lincoln in the play gets sick. He was supposed to be sick a little bit earlier, and ha- and then Booth would go on as Lincoln and wouldn't be able to assassinate Lincoln. But um, but this was an actor who just, you know, spaced it. He, he wanted a little more stage time. Uh, his name was Ed... Edward Junius Brutus Asner. Now, when this happens, Booth, having shot Lincoln, shouts sick temper tyrannis, leaps from the box seat down onto the stage where it is explained to him by the stage manager that he needs to go on as Lincoln in the play. So he needs to play the president who he just shot, Right. So he needs to get into a, a Lincoln costume while Lincoln is is bleeding in the box seat up above and go on as Lincoln. Vice President Andrew Johnson uh, happened to be playing the role of Booth, and he shoots Wilkes playing, he shoots Wilkes Booth, I should say, who's playing Lincoln. It's a little hard to follow. He shoots John Wilkes Booth, who's playing Lincoln, in the head on stage. Why? Because fake guns hadn't been invented yet. So thus, the two men were both mortally wounded in the exact same spot and to the exact same degree. All right? So they're both in Ford's Theater. They've both been shot. Lincoln by Booth and Booth by Andrew Johnson playing Booth uh, while Booth plays Lincoln. And the two men were mortally wounded. And then after the play and a curtain call, and a brief Q&A session, pandemonium erupted. Everybody was running all over. They, uh, they were trying to save the president's life. They were trying to apprehend the man who had killed the president. It was, it was a panic in this theater. The problem was that they looked identical. They both looked like Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln and Booth, both bleeding from the head, were rushed from the theater, but in the mix-up, Everyone forgot who was who and who should be saved and who should be arrested 
and by anyway by then it was it was getting pretty late and people were pretty tired so they mostly just said well let's let's leave this be for now and let's get back to this later on um, in the morning we'll we'll sort this all out surely the spirit gum that affixes the fake Abraham Lincoln beard to whoever of these gentlemen is John Wilkes Booth uh, will have faded by then and and we can we can get on with things now what a lot of people don't know is for the next several days, Lincoln and Booth survived and uh, were bleeding profusely. And due to this, this blood loss and the, all the excitement in the events of the day, they kind of were unclear themselves as to who between them was actually Lincoln and who was Booth. And when you think about it, does it really matter at that point? Aren't they kind of one and the same? Haven't they become sort of one person. Well, sort of, but they still have two jobs to do. They are still an itinerant actor and they're still the president of the United States. So for the next several days, they carry out both parts. They kind of uh, work together and support each other and really become friends um, while, while bleeding. And so they'll go into the office and sign some president papers and you know, say, hey, cabinet of rivals, you guys get it together. And then they'd slip out uh, the side door and go on auditions and they'd go try out for plays and, uh, you know, and any kind of work that they could get. And then they'd return and dance with Mary Todd at a White House ball, again, bleeding profusely. Mary Todd Lincoln took to wearing red gowns um, as a result. Just it saves time and, and effort. And then, you know, sometimes they'd go on and, and do plays in the evening and you know, people would say, why are there why are there two John Wilkes booths out there and both of them look like Lincoln and, and what's with all the blood? And they'd say, well, that's just, you know, how artists are. And uh, it went on like that for several days until finally they they collapsed uh, on the street halfway between um, uh, Ford's Theater and the White House and uh, and that's where they uh, they died. The the two of them died, uh, embraced together, and that's where they're buried. If you if you uh, go to Washington D.C. now, find Ford's Theater, find the White House, and sort of draw a line in between. Uh, find the halfway point on that line. You're gonna have to do some math here, and uh, look down right at that point. You'll see a big open pit where the skeletons of Abraham Lincoln and John Wilkes Booth are to this day, uh, clutching each other, bound forever in history. And uh, it's a good lesson, I think, for all of us when you think about it. John Moe, Teeny Podcast, Episode H5.